Hey everyone, and welcome to Beyond GIS, the show that helps you leverage digital geography to make critical decisions in a changing world. I'm Kurt, your host and founder of Orbica, an organization committed to pioneering geospatial democracy. We're going to deep dive into topics like the role of geospatial and digital transformation, developments and opportunities in geospatial, space, earth observation, and helping you abolish silos for better collaboration and transparency and visibility. We're looking to drop a new episode every other Wednesday because we believe that everyone deserves to access and leverage the power of geospatial in the modern world. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond GIS. I'm your host, Kurt. What we're talking about today is who really cares about big data? What we need to strive for is big decisions. So big data, look, it's not really a badge of honor. Um, How big your data sets are uh, really doesn't matter. What matters is what you're doing with it. So our view on this is how do we take all of this data exists and the tsunami of data coming at us from space, from drones, from Internet of Things devices, and turn it into information, into knowledge, which is actually going to drive the decisions, the outcomes that matter. So we're really focused on how we manage and abstract away a lot of the pain around big data, but truly focused on the end outcomes and analyst, a scientist, an engineer, a planner are trying to achieve in their day job to move the needle. So in the world of big data, data science, analysis, environmental science, engineering, planning, um, we don't work with data all the time. Uh, What decision makers need though is trust. They really don't care how big the data sets are, what they're looking at is what big information and knowledge is coming out of this stuff that I can make robust decisions of and be confident about. So they need to understand and trust the data, where it's coming from, where it originated, and you know, is it linked and fit for purpose for how it's being used in this analysis or this um, interpretive work that's being presented to them to make and drive decisions in the business. So there's lots of stuff when you look around the world and, and you can go digging about we only use 1% of the data that exists in the world in the data centers around around the place and folks own, own data centers. Um, whether it's 5% or 10%, it kind of doesn't matter. Uh, point is there's vast amount of opportunity there to find new value in data that already exists regardless of the new data coming at us. Uh, a great example would be um, SAR, so Synthetic Aperture Radar from space. Uh, we're now seeing new constellations go up uh, to make the stuff far more available uh, and in a timely manner. But you know, a great use case was looking back at um, some of the dams that have collapsed before around the world recently uh, and, and caused a lot of death and, and pain and suffering. And the issue was the analysis was done after the fact hey big dam collapsed hundreds of people died downstream and so some analysis was done with SAR information to basically understand deformation and movement of the dam uh, prior to the collapse now of course in the data from SAR from space you could measure millimeter movement of deformation on the dam itself which is clearly a leading indicator to the dam collapse for the six months prior to the dam itself collapsing um, you know, that has huge implications. And, and I think we need to move into the world of predictive and proactive analytics of data rather than that classic reactive stuff of if I had that analysis or knew that knowledge six months ago, I would have made X, Y, or Z decisions six months ago, which would have moved the needle, changed an outcome for a business. It's just too difficult to date. 
we need to leverage the cloud. We need to leverage and empower more of our folks and more businesses to have the right tools and access to the right data, which is where the magic will happen. So it's just vital that we connect the right people with the right ideas, with the right data, with the right tools, with the benefits of the cloud. So we are living in a predictive, proactive world and dealing with root causes before the disaster in this case happens. So in today's world of of big government, big corporates, um, and large, large teams and dispersed and often siloed teams, um, a a key thing for for leaders in these businesses is to get cross-functional collaboration going on. So often we might have a geospatial team working on some good work. You've got some environmental scientists working on some good work, but they're not often meeting and they're not leveraging the power of of each other and the expertise and the data of of either team together. collaborative joined up way geospatial at its very core a simple way to think about it is simply the glue to help tie disparate data sets that have no other way of being tied together Um, it's the way to tie them together Uh, most things on earth can be referenced to something on the planet you know all data exists or represents something on the planet somewhere in some form sometimes it's a bit abstract whether the number is 80% 90% 70% point is it doesn't actually matter that is the common ID the common key to tie together your CRM data with your asset management data with your supply chain data and that joined up inside when you can link those teams together to drive collaboration, one plus one equals 10, is so vital to moving ahead in the world and, and solving key organizational challenges, um, but also big challenges facing humanity this century. So, you know, really think about the utility of data and the fact that most of it's not used. How do you expose that value through to your end users and data practitioners so they can do their job better and drive these proactive insights we're all looking for in today's world? So some of the impediments to unlocking the value of, of big data, um, particularly geospatial data that by nature is big, um, is uh, governance. So often organizations now are starting to talk about, you know, IT governance strategies, data strategies, um, and governance processes. We often have metadata standards or various other standards across a business, whether they're engineering standards or, or monitoring standards for the environment. How do you enforce this stuff and actually get them used within a business? Having the standard, having the document, having the strategy as a PDF, that's good, that's a start, but nothing happens until it's executed and we start to drive behavior change in, inside the business. So again, if we're thinking about leaders inside a science organization, um, they're trying to deliver robust, trusting science that, uh, you know, they can't get blindsided by later. It's really important that you know the inputs, you know the analysis, the provenance and lineage of all these processes working together so that, you know, you can stand by the results and the reports and, and whatnot that come out the other end. comes back to governance. And it gets way more difficult when you're trying to join together multiple teams um, try, who, who speak different languages. Um, so this idea of a shared approach to managing metadata, understanding how teams work together, an ability to easily share between silos and teams data, tools, information, models, is going to be really critical to having that joined up approach going forward. And in the end of the day, 
producing really trusting, robust results, which leaders can stand behind with authority and allow their executives and their leaders themselves and stakeholders at large to make strong decisions off, knowing it's the best information at hand to date. So if we think about data, lineage, um, processes, analysis, that ability to be able to track and understand we've got this input data coming from these sources, it's collected for these reasons, and just as importantly, being able to understand and, and log essentially the analysis processes that have happened against that data. So that when we're looking at the derived result at the end, um, the, the decision makers and the stakeholders have that clear view of how the data was managed, how it was collected, the process run across it, and importantly, the assumptions out the back of it, right? So there's assumptions in data collection. There's always bias, right? We have to understand and be transparent about that bias. Same with analysis. So in the world of AI, machine learning, uh, there's a lot of work going into transparent AI. Um, it's about taking the what is often a black box, turning it into a white box. Some, something that the jargon is removed and decision makers at the end of the chain can understand. So, you know, again, a lot of this is about behavior and process change inside of an organization. You obviously need the right tools and data and, and mechanisms to allow that to happen. But just having data and just having tools is also not enough. We need to drive the behavior change inside a business and really bring people on a journey that what really matters is that end outcome. And we need to understand and put the assumptions around the end outcome for people making the decisions. So it's really clear um, when they're making a call around um, where to put the next solar farm, where to put the next school. Uh, where should they site the next hospital? Uh, we've got a billion dollars to spend on road safety. Where should we invest that money to have an outsized impact? The biggest bang for buck. There's always assumptions along the line. And so often, I think this is where indecision comes, is when those decision makers who want to make the change, they want to make the decision, that's, that's their role, just don't have the authoritative trusting outputs in front of them. Um, even as a scientist, a data practitioner, we know that's really strong. What we gave is robust data work. We need to be able to demonstrate the ins and outs of how we landed at that in a way they understand without the jargon. This will drive the trust between the teams inside a business and the decision makers and their stakeholders. So another sort of element of big data that we talk about with customers um, over the years really is... Um, Again, it's not about the badge of honor. It's about we've got so many resources in the business in terms of um, budget resources or people resources or hardware software resources. How do we use this most effectively? So many organizations are sitting on terabytes of data. Now, we need to understand the value coming out of that data. And is the data actually fit for purpose for what we're now trying to use it for? So what I would challenge you to think about would be... Um, if we've got a bunch of data, if we're not using it to its fullest, how do we understand expose that value to its fullest? So what are the tools, mechanisms, teams, expertise we need to do that? But work on a pathway to identifying that actually this data might not be that valuable. Uh, it was fit for purpose maybe for another business, for another department, for another time. But it doesn't answer the questions proactively we need in the business right now. Be really honest with yourself and say, let's stop spending uh, the money on maintaining 
maintaining this data, looking after this data, storing this data, let's now focus that money, that effort, that time on a data set that can move the needle and the, obviously the resulting analysis and, and reporting mechanisms out the back end. Again, it's just about scarce resources, right? We have to put the money and the time and the effort where we can get the biggest bang for buck and move the needle um, economically, environmentally, socially, culturally. And just be honest with yourself. Um, It's this interesting concept of the fallacy of sunk cost. Because we've spent the money in the past to collect this data, invest in these systems, let's keep doing it because that's what we've always done or let's keep throwing money at this particular piece of software to make it do something it was never really designed to do instead of sort of resetting it money's been spent regardless you'll never get it back how do we reset put a new vision in place new strategic intent and move towards that without um, looking at the sunk cost and letting that drive the decisions going forward um In geospatial land, we see this quite a bit where other software, enterprise software, it might be CRMs, it might be um, asset management, ERP stacks, they often try and dabble and do some geospatial, but they do it poorly, of course, because they're natively not built to do that. So instead of keeping... Uh, so instead of throwing money at the thing and hoping it will magically do what you want it to do, let's focus on the best tools for the outcomes we're trying to achieve and knowing instead we need a next generation management platform for geospatial data that's open and interoperable and can connect into my asset management system seamlessly to ensure we're running off one source of truth and the asset management system does what it does best, the geospatial system does what it does best and they both have their place and we have clearly identified data strategy that tell the business where the source of truth is for particular elements of the business. So in that case, the digital twin, the geospatial stuff that's linked to, let's say, your electrical network, that should reside in a robust geospatial platform where it has all the goodness of geospatial and the analysis and the mapping software at the back end. And it interconnects really well into the asset management system where it does all the asset management duties. Instead of trying to force one thing to do it all, which means you do it all half poorly. Um, So again, think about that concept of fallacy of sunk cost. Think about the concept of having clear source of truth for different elements of data that represent your business. And... um, you know, move forth into the new world from a, with an enabling, interoperable, open approach. So if we just revisit and come back to that concept of the fallacy of sunk cost, right? What has been used is gone. How do we reset and move forward into the new vision uh, of, of what we're trying to achieve in business? Um, it doesn't just apply to data itself. So it's about the, the workflow or business processes wrapped to the data. So recently we've been doing some really interesting work around um, understanding water, water sensors, um, and you know it's complex data looking at river basins and catchments and understanding all of that and it's it's high velocity, um, high temporal sort of fidelity data. Um, so it's, it's really big data. Um, these guys uh, worked with us and have worked really well with us around how do we partner together to create and use AI or statistical modeling techniques to automatically cleanse a lot of this data to make it trustworthy and robust for downstream decision-making processes inside this environmental organization. 
Uh, it's been a really cool project because at the back of it is clear, consistent results and assumptions coming out of the data and acknowledgement of where gaps in the data exist that are automatically being presented to the SMEs inside this business, uh, the hydrologists, for instance. It's allowed them to free up about two FTEs of admin work, boring work, where they were painstakingly doing this manually. And it's allowing those folks to truly focus on the science of what they do and add a lot more value beyond manually doing uh, the cleansing and the analysis and the sort of creating trusting data sets. So, you know, just because you've been doing a data process for a long time, technology changes, input data changes. and you know the stagnation of not digitally transforming will also often turn off really good people uh, and they'll go looking for jobs elsewhere so it's sort of a multi-pronged thing that the impacts of the fallacy of sunk costs could have inside the business so think about data a is it useful test it understand it if it's not why are you storing it why are you managing it why are you maintaining it change processes around data can we automate can we free up FTE can we make them do more exciting parts of their jobs and do what humans do best instead of you know manually doing data cleansing how do we get the heavy lifting to happen inside a a cloud platform and again this will allow the organization to move faster stay competitive in market and do more with less so if we think about big data and all the data assets we have inside a business um, if we then couple that with the processing horsepower often required and often the specialist sort of software required to leverage the value in data. If we then layer in the latest trends, of course, with flexible working, work from home, um, what all this leads to is just really reflect on the importance of the cloud, that ability to have access to the data and the representative tools anywhere, that ability for a single source of truth because we can set up and ensure that your teams are working on um, the same environment with the same data, with the same single source of truth across the business for the various functions you're trying to serve rather than the classic C drive, ah, the network's too slow, this is a terabyte of data, I'm going to download it, I'm going to sit here and do my science or my, my, my analysis for the next three months in a silo, knowing that other people are also doing it. And then what does that mean with sources of truth? How does this all converge into that trusting, robust data set that decision makers are looking for? So this is the big benefit of the cloud with this stuff is that transparency, the ability to move, the, the need for heavy desktop workstations goes away and it all ties up to much more trusting data, collaborative teams working in the same environments with the visibility and transparency that's needed, which also will stop a lot of rework or reinvention of the wheel as well across the teams. So, you know, cloud is vital to leveraging the data assets we have now and it's going to be the only way to leverage the data assets um, going forward as the volumes of data just ever increase constantly all the time. So if we sort of sum up this episode, um, it's all around doing more with less, it's making use of our data assets, it's about identifying is if there's a value in our data assets, if not, what should we do? Um, do we need to replace them? Is there a gap? Um, is there something else in the market we should be investing into? It should drive these questions in the business. It's about trust. It's about is what I'm putting in front of my decision makers, is it trustworthy? 
Is it transparent? Can they understand how we arrived at those results? That again will drive the trust and the moving of the needle because decisions will be made instead of indecisions because something's scary, something's misunderstood or not understood. We've talked a bit about the cloud as an enabling technique to join teams together and drive work off single source of truth in an open, transparent way. And we've talked a bit about governance, you know, the frameworks required to enable the management of all of this across huge teams and cross-functional teams and teams often that these days are remote and people often haven't even met in person. So we need the robust sort of cloud platforms, techniques, workflow processes that are going to enable all of this to happen. So in this episode, we've covered big data. Uh, We've talked about we need to understand the data we already have, the assets we've already invested into. Are they useful? If not, don't let the fallacy of sunk cost drive your decisions. Focus on the future and make the best decisions now to get to where you need to be and want to be in the future. We've talked about governance processes and the importance of it. You know, we need to enable folks. We, we don't want to restrict them. They need the tools and data they, they need to do their job well. We need to provide and enable that. But also with the sort of metadata frameworks, transparency around, uh, you know, the transparency of the data workflows, which lead to the clear assumptions being made in that derived output, which being used somewhere in a business to drive decision making um, through to the key stakeholders. Those key stakeholders are going to make more decisions more often if we can be really open and transparent around the assumptions around how we came to those decisions um, through our analysis processes. So, you know, to sum it all up, big data exists. There's lots of it. There's way more coming. Don't focus on it. Think about, you know, we need big information, which is going to drive big decisions. Big data by itself, completely worthless. So let's go on this sort of data ecosystem trajectory and really think about those folks that are making the decisions at the at the other end of the sort of data value chain. And let's put the tools, the assumptions, the knowledge, remove the jargon for them so they can go ahead and make really strong, robust decisions, move the needle, make the world a better place. Alrighty, I hope that was helpful and you got some good content or ideas out of today's episode. If you have any questions, find me on LinkedIn, check the show notes below for the spelling and link, or reach out to us at orbica.com and I'll catch you in the next one.